Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, he's in conversation with Reverend Gregory J. Jackson, Pastor Emeritus of the Mount Olive Baptist Church in Hackensack, New Jersey. We rejoice to be in conversation today with Reverend Gregory Jackson. He's the Pastor Emeritus of the Mount Olive Baptist Church in Hackensack, New Jersey, and he is the president of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society, which is the sponsoring agency for our pilgrimages of striving and thriving. Welcome, Pastor Jackson, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. As you know, we've been on a journey for a few years with just over 50 pastors. About half are women pastors and about half are millennial and zennial pastors. And we've been on a pilgrimage toward flourishing in ministry. Our assumptions are that every round does not go higher and higher. And that like a tree, flourishing in ministry means sometimes there are leaves on the branches, sometimes there are blossoms, at other times, leaves may be falling away. And sometimes there are only bare branches, but the tree can still be healthy and flourishing and thriving. What does flourishing in ministry look like to you? Well, thank you for that question. Um, flourishing uh looks different at different times to me, I, I suppose, uh, given the analogy that you, you've given in terms of uh, leaves and uh, blooming, etc. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, a tree can, can look dead and still be flourishing, as you mentioned. Uh, and I think that's all about uh, how it is rooted. And I think that in, in ministry, uh, 
things don't always uh, look like they're thriving. I think most of us uh, know what it is like to strive uh, towards flourishing. Uh, but uh, if we if we spend some time uh, digging a little deeper uh, and not being over concerned with numbers, even though we are concerned with numbers, uh, and spending time uh, getting anchored, if you will, to use the old spiritual uh, song, being anchored in the Lord, um, that uh, leaves can return. Uh, uh, blooms uh, can return, and 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 really, flourishing is somewhat cyclical. I guess you know you, you never. It is my experience has been you never flourish all the time. Uh, you you I don't want to say you die to live again, but you certainly regress. And in, and in that regressing, I think it helps us to really get deeper in our roots and to recognize that flourishing is not just uh, mental, but it is certainly uh, spiritual as well. Uh, so that would be my, you know, uh, kind of preliminary conversation of what flourishing would mean. And in the world that we live in, uh, Flourishing looks like buildings. It looks like numbers. It looks like money. Uh, and that may be a part of it, but it's far more than that. It's about relationships. It's about transformation. It's about uh, people's lives being changed and, and, and rerouted in the words of, you know, I remember as a boy, uh, my grandmother would make me go out and get a bigger pot sometimes to replant a plant because that plant had outgrown that pot. And, uh, and sometimes our lives need to be rerouted uh, as well. Well, one of the things that in our uh, pilgrimages of striving and thriving uh, that we've been uh, inviting pastors to consider is what we call a formula for flourishing. And that formula holds that uh, if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields the ministry content, there is a higher probability for flourishing. So we don't assume that you can just drag and drop a ministry model from somewhere else that's been developed with another set. But it's much more organic. Uh, can you talk with us some um, about how your context of service has informed your content of ministry? I think you, you have to uh, keep your eyes on what's going on around you. I think the gospel intersects with life. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, somewhere I read, you know, you know, the gospel has to be related to where people are itching. Uh, and, you know, if the church is scratching, but nobody is itching, uh, there's nothing happening. Uh, and I think that, so I think the gospel is relevant because uh, the, the, the preacher, the pastor uh, is that human 
personality that speaks truth to uh, a situation where they're living, where they're ministering. Uh, and uh, I think you, you, the pastor always has to keep his or her eyes uh, wide open uh, and, and try to walk in somebody else's truth. Uh, and that's not always easy. Uh, and you'll certainly get some, some bumps in the road in terms of walking that walk and also have to deal with your own fears. Um, and I would say also for me, I tried to, you know, even though I wanted to see what was going on in the local community, there's certain things that I automatically brought to ministry that I think pretty much applies everywhere. Uh, and, and for me, it was ministering to senior citizens, senior citizens, trying to have some kind of ministry that was relevant for senior citizens. I found out it really did not take, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to minister to senior citizens. Uh, the main thing you do, you would teach, teach the Bible and love on people and try to, you know, help them beyond their isolation. Uh, and that, you know, offered a, a, uh, a midday something related to when people can come out of the house and not be afraid uh, in, in, a, in terms of the context where they're living. That, you know, I've tried to do, you know, but I've only been in two different locations, pastors, but I've seen it work everywhere. Senior citizens and children. You're in Hackensack, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Can you uh, think of something in your context, in your Bergen County context, that has informed your ministry particularly? Where if you were maybe in a rural setting, it might be different, but is, can you think of something that is particular to your Bergen County, New Jersey setting that has informed your ministry? We are suburban uh, and uh, a few miles from New York City, uh, but we are small enough that you can know people in, in our context. Uh, uh, you can you can go there's three there's Four, four hospitals now, you can really go to every one of the hospitals and see people if you want to. Uh, there's a number of nursing homes. You can, really, you can really go to those places every day of the week if you want to. So it gives you that kind of personal uh, touch here. And then, uh, you know, uh, the, we're really a melting pot in terms of Hackensack in terms of the Hackensack High School just people from all over the world. So in that kind of context where you have all that stuff going on, can you talk about uh, either particularly or generally about how the capacity of a pastor contributes to the content of ministry? We talked a little bit how the context is related to it, but can you talk a little bit about how a pastor's capacity contributes to the content of ministry. 
know, somewhere I read, if you want to, if you want to measure the temperature of a church, put a thermometer in the pastor's mouth. Uh, and I think that there's some truth there somewhere. Uh, and capacity is, uh, uh, so important in developing the ministry and offering leadership uh, to the church. Um, early on in ministry, I think that I was a, a excellent administrator, uh, but I wasn't necessarily uh, a great leader. Uh, and it took a while to learn the difference. Uh, you know, you, you can be a great administrator and just move chairs around on the Titanic, uh, but you're going down. So your, your chairs will be lined as the ship sinks. Uh, or you can uh, learn some leadership skills to help to engage the church in the context of ministry. Uh, and I think I think you can learn uh, both ways. You know, you can you can learn, obviously, by reading. Uh, and I think that's one way that we learn, but you can also learn in association to other pastors and not just other pastors, to other political leaders, to other leaders in your community, uh, and, uh, and it's certainly members in your congregation to learn. And I think that uh, uh, it, it's sort of like I've, I've seen uh, choir directors, uh, you know, you can you can you can have the same people in the choir and a different director and oh what a difference it makes. Same thing is true in ministry. You, you can have you can have the same people in the congregation, but depending upon the capacity, and for by capacity too, I don't mean just knowledge, even though that is really largely what I'm saying, but I'm talking about relationships and how. You, you relate to your congregation and how you lead uh, and how you use authority. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we, we try to use authority before we get it. And, and that's takes a while to learn that too. Been there, done that too. So We've been friends a quarter century and have traveled different parts of the world. Can you think of uh, one or two lessons that you have learned uh, from your experience uh, with global Christianity uh, that has helped you as a pastor? One thing that I have learned that people struggle pretty much with the same thing everywhere, uh, even in a so-called first world or third world uh, we wrestle with uh, poverty. Uh, we wrestle with uh, uh, relational kind of issues. And, and for those of us who are black, we, we wrestle with, with uh, some form of racism or classism, uh, those kinds of things, sexism, uh, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's one thing that I've seen pretty much everywhere in the world. Um, another thing that I, I, I think that I've seen, the gospel uh, is contextual uh, and, you know, it's, it's difficult to take uh, uh, a gospel uh, of Jesus Christ and uh, preach it uh, in uh, 
Port Elizabeth, South Africa, uh, like I might preach it in Hackensack, New Jersey. And that sounds a little strange, but it's the same thing in Hackensack, New Jersey. It's difficult to, for me to go to Holy Trinity Catholic Church, the largest Catholic church in Hackensack, uh, and preach the same kind of sermon that I preach at Manawa. It won't work. Uh, so you, I, I find um, that you have to exegete the congregation uh, as well as the text. And one of the places that I learned that was in India, and I was preaching somewhere in India, uh, and it was packed. I mean, the, the church was packed, people standing outside. And uh, the, these persons believed in healing. Uh, and I was the preacher of the day. And after the sermon, everybody wanted me to lay hands on them. I mean, everybody. Uh, and when I say everybody, I'm talking about hundreds of people. Uh, and it was nothing for a, a woman who, who might have been having breast cancer or something, wanted me to lay hands right on her breast. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really freaking out. You know? uh, but for them... Uh, they were looking at healing. They really believed in healing. And I think they, they, they felt some kind of connection to so-called Western preaching, you know, from the West, that somehow I had this sort of this extra power because I was from the United States of America and they were not going to let me get out of there without laying hands on them because they felt like it's sort of like the, the woman, in, you know, the woman who had an issue of blood. This might be the last time. Uh, that I have this possibility. So those kind of contextual things stay with you and help you to uh, help me to understand, you know, you don't have all the truth. Uh, you, you know, you learn as you go. Uh, hopefully you grow. Uh, and uh, uh, it's a dangerous thing. You sort of, it's one thing to carry the gospel or with you when you go around the world, but it's another thing to think that you have all the answers. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania and South America. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed.
Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carry's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of his interview with Reverend Gregory J. Jackson, Pastor Emeritus of the Mount Olive Baptist Church in Hackensack, New Jersey. Talk to us a little about an area of leadership where you have had to develop as a pastor. Earlier, you talked about when you were younger, you were a strong administrator and you had to learn to be a better leader. Is there another area of leadership that you can think of where you've had to develop? First of all, I think it's where you learn. Uh, and when you've grown up in a, uh, a Baptist black context early on, uh, the church was just like, well, we will send you to Hampton and we will send you to the National Baptist Convention. You know, uh, and that was, that was fine for then, but it was not necessarily what I was striving with at that time or what I wanted help in at that time. So uh, thinking outside of your circle, uh, it's not to say that you can't learn from black settings, but it is to say that there's a whole lot of stuff that you can learn in all other kinds of settings as well that is more relevant to the the problems that you may be having in ministry right now. Uh, Going to several conferences with John Maxwell really opened my eyes uh, about leadership, Uh, uh, spending, meeting you and spending time with other pastors who were, you know, much further along in ministry than I was, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned that you can't, you can't just, you know, drag somebody else's ministry into your context, but you can learn valuable lessons from other pastors by spending two weeks with them or whatever it is, listening to them. Uh, and uh, it could be a, it could be a seminary course in that. And so uh, I've learned so much on the road, if you will, uh, from just conversations, uh, you know, the whole idea of iron sharpening iron. I don't know if I'm iron, but I know that I've been in the context and the presence of some iron guys, some strong, solid pastors, preachers, ministers, global missionaries, uh, and uh, they they bless my life. Uh, and uh, so I would say. Uh, Preaching, uh, uh, I have uh, I've developed and grown in terms of my preaching skills. But for me, uh, that has been a dance uh, between my social activism uh, and my preaching. Uh, and uh, it depends what's going on in the context of the world that you can spend so much time out there doing that, that your preaching suffers. The same thing about your read, my reading, you can, you can read so much political stuff and what's going on in the world 
that you just have one sermon, you know, uh, and and that's that's kind of a, a danger somewhere along the line uh, where you, you have what you're going to say and you just tag on a little scripture. What brings you the most joy as a pastor? I read this uh, obituary in the New York Times yesterday uh, of this principal down in Texas. Uh, she had died of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, but she became known as the, the turnaround principal. That whenever, whenever the, the superintendent uh, needed a school to turn around, school was failing in this and failing in that, he would call on her. Uh, and she would go over there uh, and according to this obituary, uh, she would create, she'd create uh, tutoring programs for the students. On one hand, she would do this tutoring program for the students. On the other hand, she would have uh, continuing education for the teachers. Uh, and she was able to turn uh, the schools around, but also to turn the lives around of children. Uh, I thought, wow, uh, what a wonderful obituary to be known as a turnaround principal. And I thought, that's what I would like to be known for, uh, you know, as a turnaround pastor. Uh, to help people turn their lives around, to help young young children believe in themselves, uh, that they can accomplish some stuff, and and uh, that, you know, a part of my own transparency and my own testimony uh, of how my life uh, was turned around by various people that I met, uh, and that what God's done for me, He can do for anybody. Do you recall something that you would call the best advice you received about pastoral leadership? Uh, it probably came from my pastor early on. Uh, and that was, make sure you understand the difference between preaching and pastoring. Pastoring requires uh, affirmation and loving people and forgiving people and walking with people. Uh, through their joys and through their pain, crying with people, laughing with people. And then you, you, you preach, but you, 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 know, you do the best you can, but uh, don't think that, uh, you know, in our, in, our, in our pastoral excellence journey for some years ago, I remember starting that thinking like, what is pastoral excellence? Uh, asking that question. I'm sure, I'm not sure that I completely know what pastoral excellence is now, but I know what it is not. It is far more than preaching. That I do know. So I asked you about the best advice that you received about pastoral leadership uh, in this podcast of pilgrimages of striving and thriving. We have pastors, aspiring pastors, or people in different kinds of ministry positions uh, who are tuning in week by week across the country and around the world. What advice would you like to give to our listeners today about what they can do to flourish in ministry? Read, 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 
great. And you make it a priority. Read broad, uh, read novels. Just don't read so-called Christian stuff. Travel, 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 travel. Uh, and I guess it depends on what you want to be and what you want, how you want to develop your own ministry. As I look at the persons that I think are the uh, phenomenal uh, preachers, uh, every last one of them are, you know, readers. The other, the other thing I would say, even though I say read, 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 figure out how to balance it because, you know, you know, you, I would think that you would want to be both. You would want that pastoral touch as well as that uh, scholarly preacher, and you've got to figure out how to balance it. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of dance that I think that we have to uh, wrestle with uh, in terms of, of flourishing and growing. Uh, but I, I also believe that all, I, I would say, all growth begins, first of all, with you growing yourself. And if it's not all growth, a large part of of the congregation it begins with the pastor growing him or herself. Uh, and if you're not growing, chances are your church is not growing. I wanna just tell you a lesson that I learned from the late Dr. Uh, Wendell C. Somerville uh, by going to Lot Carey. I remember early on uh, when I went to my first, I, uh, Lot Carey Convention. I think it's probably like 85 or 86. I had just gotten to Mount Olive and, and Mrs. Somerville came and, and she said to the congregation, y'all let that boy come uh, and I will pay. So she did. So um, we went to Louisville, Kentucky and I've heard Dr. Somerville say this several times, which I think is worth uh, hearing. He said, you can, you can take a little preacher and put him in a big church. Back back then, it was mostly all male, but it applies, male or female. You can take a little, little preacher, little male, little female, put him in a big church, and he or she will whittle it down to their size, to their capacity in a short amount of time. Or you can take a big preacher, a preacher that is rooted, a preacher that is developing and growing and studying and reading and exposed. And you can put that preacher in a little church and he or she will grow it to his or her size in a short order of time. I think that is so true. That's a lesson that I learned from Lot Carey. We've been talking with Reverend Gregory J. Jackson, the pastor emeritus of the Mount Olive Baptist Church in Hackensack, New Jersey, and also the president of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society. Pastor Jackson, thanks for spending time with us and sharing in this conversation and offering your wisdom about striving and thriving in ministry. Thank you, sir. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie.
Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.